Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. Well, today on Biblical Perspectives on Aging, we have a treat. Uh, We have Dr. Rodney Harrison, who is the president of the Baptist Home, joining us today. And Dr. Harrison, many will know that your background is in higher education, that you spent a lot of time in there, and now effectively you're in a healthcare-oriented type of ministry, and, and that jump, that leap is a rather large one, maybe unexpected for some. They, they may not know the background uh, of your story. So could you share with our listeners today what your preparation is for your role as president of the Baptist Home? Absolutely. Well, thank you for inviting me to be a part of the Biblical Perspectives on Aging podcast. While I was in California, I grew up in Central California, and in 1979, I went to the College of the Sequoias and pursued a credential as an activity director for a long-term care facility. Uh, In 1980, I moved to northern Minnesota, and there in a small town of Big Forks, Minnesota, uh, served as a certified nursing assistant um, at a long-term care facility in that small community of about 400 people. Very soon I was enrolled in a nursing program and graduated with uh, a degree in nursing and then took the state board exam to become a registered nurse and that was back in 1983. And so uh, that was that early preparation. Uh, All of it was involved in long-term care. I loved working with seniors and that has always been uh, on my heart in the area of healthcare ministry. While I was an RN, Um, really sensed a uh, desire to uh, work in administration and to help give leadership into healthcare services. And so I pursued a bachelor's degree in healthcare administration at Dallas Baptist University. And at that time uh, was also um, uh, fulfilling a call to ministry. And so upon the completion of my healthcare administration degree at DBU, uh, went on to Southwestern Seminary and uh, went, uh, went there for my studies. When I finished, I returned back to Northern Minnesota and was involved as a tent maker. And so this involved bivocational ministry, working um, either part-time or full-time in uh, healthcare. And generally that meant working in nursing homes. The advantage of that is it provided me a means of expressing my call and love of healthcare but also it would allow me the flexibility and scheduling to be able to serve as a church planter. And so in Chisholm, Minnesota, Hibbing, Minnesota, and Halleck, Minnesota, uh, that was a platform ministry for church planting. So really the first decade and a half of my adult life, I was involved in healthcare, either full-time or part-time. And then um, was involved in mission work with our North American Mission Board for uh, over a decade in California. And it was through those connections and through my continuing education that uh, I was invited to be on faculty at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in the early 2000s. And so, you know, it does seem like quite a, uh, a leap from healthcare to higher education back to healthcare. And yet through it all, I think there has been some commonality of really wanting to minister to people, serve those who um, sometimes are unable to care for themselves, 
and to really be, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. That component has not changed at all. And of course, what's also involved in this is just a strong and fervent commitment to the sanctity of life. And uh, both the vocational ministry of why do we pastor and plant churches and why do we serve in healthcare? It ought to be because we value the sanctity of human life. Very good. Well, you have uh, been the, you, you were the interim president at the Baptist Home for a period of a few months, and that began right about the beginning of 2020. You were coming up on your first full year as the full president of the Baptist Home. Just thinking back, uh, reflecting on that first year uh, of service, what are some of the things that uh, you have accomplished as the Baptist Home, your leadership, et cetera, and what are some of the challenges? Obviously, COVID is a part of that, but what are some of the challenges uh, that you have faced and, and or potentially are still facing at this time? Well, as others have mentioned, the, the Baptist Home is an amazing ministry with 108-year-old history. I mean, so for 108 years, we have been serving the needs of the aging. And yet, um, when I came into the ministry, there is definitely a need to kind of look into the future. And so I think the, the first and foremost uh, accomplishment that stands out is how God has helped our team to bring clarity to the future. We've recast our mission, our vision, our values as a sanctity of life ministry. And we were able to do this while honoring the past. And I think that right there is sometimes a, a very thin tightrope to navigate. How do we respect and honor the past while look, looking into the future? And we were able to do that. We were blessed to have uh, Miller Management uh, work with us as a consultant in that process. But now we are living it out. We didn't just create a mission statement that was placed on a wall and just sits there. We are living out our mission, our vision, and our values in everything that we're doing, in our hires, in our budgeting, in our uh, utilization of time, and in our strategic initiatives. And so I think the first thing I would say is, is really in that first year, bringing that clarity to our, our ministry. I would also say ending the year in the black financially, <laughs> despite the ravages of COVID. And this was really made possible because of the generosity of our, our partners. I was told by our uh, advancement director that we currently have the most supportive board of trustees in our ministry's history. And so they, they have rallied around what we are doing. We have had some very generous donors. And I would need to say that some of those have been the results of seeds that were planted a decade or more ago. And so to be able to end the year financially in the black was significant. Hmm. We established our new corporate offices in Jefferson City this past year. And, you know, for 107 plus years, the corporate offices were in Ironton, Missouri, um, a beautiful, beautiful part of the state. But many people, especially those that live uh, where you do in the northwest corner, would think of uh, Ironton as a foreign mission field. Um, <laughs> it takes hours and hours and hours to get there. And as the ministry has grown, as the ministry has established new campuses and new initiatives, being able to be in the center of the state, especially having access to the departments of health and the other agencies that we intersect with on a, almost a, a daily or weekly basis, uh, I think is going to bring great strength to our organization. So we've established our offices uh, right there on High Street. We're about four blocks from the Capitol. 
and we're at the Baptist building on the sixth floor. And that's been, uh, I think, a great accomplishment. And then finally, I'd say building a great team. You know, when I think of the team members we have, uh, Becky Barden, who is uh, our communications director, we have gone from a quarterly newsletter to a monthly newsletter, which is an e-letter of real quality. You know, sometimes you think of these newsletters as uh, being just kind of quickly thrown together. This is a quality newsletter. And then we're launching our new, we have multiple new initiatives that are going to expand our reach, not just in long-term care, but we're looking at hospice and maybe home health. And so we're looking at how can we not just say, come to the Baptist home, but we've established a team and we have adopted initiatives that the board has approved that will allow us to go and to go into the homes of the churches and church members. And so we've been able to do all of that while continuing and building upon that, what we often call the uh, philosophy of the Baptist home level of care. And so we've, we've been able to do that while again, honoring the past, but looking forward to a, a vibrant future. And in many ways, COVID-19 has actually made that even more possible. COVID-19 has demonstrated that change not only is critical, but change can be done without as much pain and fear. And so we've been able to, I think, capitalize on, I think, all of our willingness to be innovative. As we had to be innovative to respond to COVID-19, we can use those same lessons of change and innovation as an organization as a whole. So we've been able to make changes that I really thought might take two or three years all in one year. And we've been able to do that with just a, a very cheerful and joyous attitude. So that is a lot in a year. I know, know those that know you well will know that that's not unlikely, but, but that's still a lot. And, and, you know, from an outsider's perspective, just as a pastor, et cetera, you know, I do see that the presence ramping up. Obviously, our church receives the Baptist Home newsletter, but the uh, the presence of your articles in the pathway and, and different things like that, uh, there is more of that. So there's many accomplishments there, but obviously beyond COVID, there's been some challenges. And I, I want you to speak for just a moment, if you would, about the idea of biblical perspectives of aging and the Baptist home being an advocate for the aging. Uh, you were a strong advocate. You mentioned your four blocks from the Capitol. You were a strong advocate for getting the governor to relax some restrictions related to nursing home visits and things like that for those in ministry, especially. Can you speak to that advocacy, to some of the success you had there, but some other challenges uh, that you are still facing as the Baptist home in general? Oh, thank you, Andy, for the question. Yeah, early on in the coronavirus response, um, as many know and the listeners know, nursing homes became really one of the target of, you know, the media messaging about the coronavirus. And, and to some degree, rightfully so, because uh, nursing homes are oftentimes closed communities. You have people going in and out, especially the caregivers and families. And yet um, you're dealing with really sometimes the most vulnerable segment of society. When they talk about comorbidities, when you are in your late 70s, 80s, 90s, and even beyond, um, it's very unlikely you do not have um, more than one comorbidity that would make you at greater risk of the, uh, of the virus. And so early on, nursing homes were 
closed, meaning that um, visitation was restricted to all but end of life visits. And that was defined as someone that was passing. Pastors and others were no longer given access. Churches were not given access. And so we had a quite a, a challenge because we're seeing not only residents' First Amendment rights being violated by these restrictions, but we also saw the Bill of Rights, the, the, the Nursing Home Residents' Bill of Rights, which was approved by Congress in the 1980s. Several of those elements were being violated through this. And so how do you, how do you maintain that balance of protecting our residents while ensuring that their rights are being valued? And so uh, we were able to be a voice. I had the privilege of meeting with our governor and speaking to our state senator regarding the advocacy on behalf of not only our residents, but all residents in nursing homes. And as I talked with my colleagues in other long-term care facilities, this was a shared conviction that um, isolation could be a greater threat to our residents' well-being then the coronavirus itself. In fact, we had many residents say, look, I, I would rather get the virus and die than no longer be able to be with my family or even sit at the dinner table with my neighbor. All of that was prohibited. And so through that advocacy here in Missouri and nationwide, our senator went to bat for us and was able to get the Center for Medicare Services to issue some guidelines that made visitation possible once again, to, to maintain that balance of how do we ensure that we reduce the possibility of introducing the coronavirus into a facility or to our residents while ensuring that they could visit and retain that right to visit not only uh, family members, but we also were seeing that clergy were now being included as an essential caregiver. So those new guidelines went into effect in September, and a good part was because of the advocacy of the Baptist home. However, they were also conditioned upon certain criteria, such as your county is in a green or yellow status rather than an orange or red status. And of course, as those who have been following the data well know, it was about that time in early October that every county in uh, the state of Missouri and almost nationwide went into that orange and red category. So we're just seeing that change now. But the good news is um, those guidelines, which were issued in September, which are restoring the residents' rights and restored pastoral visits, many of our counties now are back in that green or yellow phase across America. And those visits are being allowed again. And so, um, you know, that's just one aspect of advocacy that we are engaging. We're also dealing with uh, legislation here in Missouri that ensures that the nursing home administrators are well credentialed, that they have the appropriate balance of education and experience having come from higher education. Of course, I am an advocate of higher education. And those are, again, our, our opportunities for advocacy on behalf of the elderly. And so um, hopefully, you know, we are going to be able to continue to participate in that. That's not our primary goal, but our updated mission speak, uh, statement does speak of both education and advocacy. And the education component is really for the churches and for the members and the families that are in the churches because so many of them don't know where to turn or what questions to ask. 
So we really do hope that not only can we be a leader in providing Christ-like compassionate care, but we also want to provide that education for the, the members and the churches, as well as advocacy for the elderly and the sanctity of life in general. Thank you for that answer there. So you've talked a little bit about continuing to advocate in various ways. You've talked about the change in the mission and and your values and bringing clarity to all of that. What's next for the Baptist home? I mean, it's it's been a a big first year, COVID, your first year of presidency, but I I know you have a vision for where you would like to take the ministry of the Baptist home. What, What do you see as next for the Baptist home? Okay. Well, some of them are going to be small changes, and some of them could be uh, more significant. You know, one thing that has not changed is our scriptural foundations. In fact, we are redoubling. We're doubling down, I would say, on our scriptural foundations because we want to be a biblically informed ministry. We want to hire uh, healthcare workers that, that have a biblical worldview. And, you know, I think of our, our guiding uh, foundational scripture verse from Psalm 71, where the psalmist says, don't discard me in my old age, and as my strength fails, do not abandon me. That passage reminds me of some of the fears that people have as we grow older, and we want to provide education and advocacy so that when we do find, or if we get to that point where we may find that uh, our strength is failing, that uh, we are starting to feel, as the psalmist said, old, that the old age is capturing the best of us, so that, that we are not, not only are we not sensed uh, or feeling like we've been abandoned, but that we also understand that we still have great purpose, that we are created in God's image, and uh, that God will not ever abandon us. I'll give a quick illustration of that, and then I'll kind of dovetail that into where we're going. On one of our campuses recently, this is during the kind of the peak of the coronavirus, We had a worker, an outside worker, a physical therapist who came in and was doing therapy on one of our residents. And really, as was very typical of almost all conversations at that time, our resident said, you know, well, what do you think about this coronavirus? And she said, it scares me to death. And as he started to ask more questions, she said, you know, I'm so fearful that I might come into a facility or a hospital and contract the virus and then take it home to my children. I mean, what would happen if I were to die and my children would be left orphans? She was really moved that this is a scary virus and that, you know, she could potentially bring it home. And so obviously this fear was one that had gripped her. And so uh, our resident, who happened to be a, a retired pastor, started sharing how she could have confidence and faith and assurance in Jesus Christ. And she was listening very intently. And so he started to share the gospel and he started to share, you know, the gospel using an approach called the Romans road, where you start with Romans 3.23, talking about the fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, the problem is because of his aging process, because he has a little bit of dementia, he couldn't remember the verses. Hmm. And that's where our campus pastor came in and just seamlessly, he was able to just kind of walk beside him and help through this process of, Uh, what the scriptures say. And as they went through the scriptures with tears in her eyes, her and one other caregiver (laughs) trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior there in that nursing home. Mm. 
And this really speaks to the value of, of ongoing discipleship. So one of the things that we're going to be doing and one of our newest initiatives is going to be, especially in these post-COVID days, um, really looking at what do we uh, provide that separates us from other healthcare facilities. And part of it is the fact that we have full-time campus pastors and chaplains on our, our campuses. You know, their primary service is to be that conduit between our residents and their home sending church. But, you know, think about going into a long-term care facility. Many of our elderly can't get to church anymore. And many of our residents tell us that in the years prior to coming to the Baptist home, they were not able to be in church like they would love and, and as they were used to growing up. And, you know, many of our elderly don't want to depend on others to, for transportation. Uh, you know, they have that independence. And suddenly they come to the Baptist home and now they have weekly Bible study. They have weekly chapel services on Sundays and they're, they're able to be engaged again. And so we are wanting to really make chapel a central part, in fact, a, a integral part of every aspect of our weekly routine at each one of our campuses. So I think we're going to be seeing some um, really enhancements and some intentionality in how we will make the chapel experience um, one that really the, the calendar, you might say, centers around. Because as people of faith, our expressions of being with one another in the body of Christ and being with other believers is central to our uh, spiritual health. So we want to uh, see that happen. Uh, I already mentioned that we are looking at uh, expanding into uh, maybe more outward reaching ministries. So we're exploring hospice and home health. Uh, I would envision hospice may be the first of those initiatives that we would launch. It's too early to say that we're going to be doing that. The board has given us uh, the approval to do what we call a pro forma. So we are in active conversations with the accreditors, with the state, with the CMS on uh, that process of getting approved. But we could easily envision maybe a year from now having hospices in the, uh, the four corners of the state and being able to begin that process of providing that care at probably one of the most critical waypoints of life. You know, it's not unusual to have a hospice chaplain, but I know for our Missouri Baptists, especially, I think they would feel comfortable having a Baptist chaplain, someone, a nurse who, who understands a biblical worldview, you know, rather than a, a chaplain who could be, you know, uh, it could be Latter-day Saint, or they could be of a faith tradition that is very different. And so we want to be able to provide that for our Missouri Baptists. We're also looking at other opportunities to expand. We would love to see the Baptist Home have a presence in our two major metroplexes, which would be Kansas City and the St. Louis area. Uh, so we're praying through that process. Uh, we're blessed to be in the Springfield Metroplex, which is the third largest in the state. But you know, it's interesting that we've we've really focused on rural context, and even today. Um, we find that the majority of Missouri Baptists are in the Kansas City Metroplex and the St. Louis Metroplex. So we're, we're exploring and praying through some of those opportunities as well. You mentioned scripture uh, a few moments ago and Psalm 71 being a, a baseline uh, for the ministry. Are there any other scriptures that you would point to, Dr. Harrison, that, that uh, help to calculate and to drive the mission of the Baptist home? You know, one that really speaks to my heart is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Paul is writing to the church, and, you know, at this point, 
Paul is Paul is just kind of laying it out to the Corinthians. This is his second recorded letter. <clears throat> it may be his third formal correspondence with the church, but in this second recorded letter, he, he says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul was very transparent. Look, I'm getting old, and I'm starting to waste away. I'm, I'm getting weak. And obviously, at the beginning, he, he's suggesting it would be very easy to lose heart, but he says we don't. Hmm. And so Second um, Corinthians speaks to me. Chapter 4 is a, an amazing chapter of transparency, but it is also speaking to the fact that this is a reality. We will all grow old. We will all begin to waste away. And oftentimes we just put off the planning for that. And so I think that speaks to our ministry of education and advocacy on behalf of the aging, because what we're doing is we're advocating for situations and conditions that may not be relevant to someone today or in 10 years or in 15 years, but 20 years from now, our education and advocacy efforts are going to be very relevant as they find themselves, as Paul found themselves, in a situation where we're starting to really recognize our physical is wasting away. And uh, how do we stay vibrant? How do we stay useful in God's eye? And how do we demonstrate the love and compassion of someone who's created in the image of God? You know, even if they don't have anything they can tangibly contribute. And I believe that there's a contribution, but sometimes we can't see that tangible contribution. Even though an individual may not be able to demonstrate that tangible contribution, they are of great worth and value, and it is our responsibility as, as Christians to minister unto them. And so 2 Corinthians uh, does speak to me, and I think that's just a great passage that reminds us that this aging process, unless the Lord calls us home early, is inevitable. Yes, very true. Very true. You mentioned the idea of, of education as far as in advocacy a few times. Help us as, as a church leader or as someone who is listening to this who's a part of the church, they may want to talk to a church leader and say, I heard this podcast, how to reach out to the Baptist home. How do I get in touch with someone to come to our church and to help educate us? What would you say to the average person or to a pastor in the local church about how to become educated in this process? Well, first of all, I would direct them to our website. Um, we have a resource link at the top of the page, um, which has some resources. At the bottom of the page, you'll find a directory of all of our staff. And at each one of our campuses, we have a campus pastor um, who is also available to be in the churches and to speak to churches. We have an advancement team which loves being in the churches and will come and meet with a group of two or three or they'll meet with your whole congregation. We have quite a few resources, you know, and as I talk about maybe the resources, um, I think we, we have some that are on YouTube. Um, so we have a YouTube channel that, that has resources. And, um, you know, in addition to this podcast being available through YouTube, uh, you can also access uh, articles about, you know, um, mom, you know, the plumber stole my remote. And, and this is based upon a scenario where someone would get a phone call from their, their elderly parent, their elderly mother. And, you know, she's going, come over, the, the plumber stole my remote and you're trying to talk to her. And 
pretty soon you, you get the scenario, well, the plumber came out and after the plumber left, the remote control for the television sets missing. And so, you know, you talk to your mom for about 30 minutes on the phone. She's still agitated, um, convinced that the, the, the plumber took the remote and put it in his toolkit. So you finally find out who the plumber is. You call their, their main office. Uh, they, they assure you that he wouldn't have taken the remote, but they finally give you the plumber's cell phone number. You talk to the plumber. He said, no, absolutely. I didn't even see a remote. I didn't take the remote. Your mother is still very agitated. So you decide that you're going to drive all the way across town. You're going to go get the kids, put them in your car, drive across town. You talk to your mom and she is so agitated. The remote is missing. Finally, you decide, well, mom, can, can I get you a cup of iced tea? Can I get you a glass of iced tea? And you, you go to the refrigerator. And when you open up the refrigerator, there's the remote control. These are the stories of aging. These are the times that you begin to ask the question, what next? Maybe a few weeks later, you go back and visit your, your mother or your father, and you, you notice that their car has another new dent, another new scratch. You notice that the, the front of the garage, you can tell that the front wall has been hit several times. And you have these questions, where do I go? Who do I talk to? On our website, you will find the names and the phone numbers and the email addresses of our campus administrators and our campus pastors. They can walk you through those stories. We can help you understand and demystify the process. You know, many people, don't understand the difference of the levels of care. For example, what's the difference between independent living and assisted living and intermediate care versus skilled care? And what is Alzheimer's care? What's a dementia unit? You know, what's interesting is many of those are really official sounding terms, but there's no legal definition of them. Others have very clear legal definitions. And yet uh, you could easily be upsold levels of care you might be thinking, wow, this is really great. I think my mom has early onset Alzheimer's and we'll put her in an Alzheimer unit. What you don't realize is that you may be locking her away in a locked room in a locked facility that will have no contact with the outside. You need to be able to know what questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you come to the Baptist home, our staff will help you navigate those questions. So I would again, refer people to our website, thebaptisthome.org, one word, thebaptisthome.org, and just look at both the resource page, our YouTube links, and then at the bottom of the page, hit that directory of staff, and it, it will give you the contact information for each of our leaders, our administrators at each campus. Dr. Harrison, you've just shown that the Baptist home is more than just a care facility. It is a ministry, uh, as you just said, not just for the, the people you are serving within the homes, but to help others uh, prepare for this as well. So uh, as we close today, obviously you've shared some thoughts about the future, some challenges you're still facing. What are some ideas for prayer that those listening to this podcast, that, that you might direct them in their prayer lives if, if you had the opportunity to suggest some prayers on behalf of the Baptist home? Okay, well, first of all, please pray that we will have wisdom and discernment from our Lord Jesus Christ as we make decisions. We are facing many decisions that will impact the future, and we want to make those prayerfully and with great wisdom. 
And so uh, we would always appreciate that uh, you pray that our leadership with team would have great wisdom. Uh, secondly, uh, let me encourage you to pray for um, the continued protection of our residents. Uh, we're pretty much through with the second round of the vaccinations on our campus at the time of this uh, recordings posting. Uh, the second rounds will be all finished. But you know, there are still um, right now about 90% uh, of the time at the time of this uh, podcast of Missourians who have not been vaccinated. And that really is the path forward to being able to return our long-term care facilities to a semblance of normalcy. You know, for over a year, churches have not been able to visit in nursing homes. They've not been able to, we haven't been able to visit our moms and our dads. Um, we have residents who haven't had physical contact with their family for well over a year. You know, think about all of the, the holidays and the special events in a person's life that have been done in isolation and taken place in isolation you know, going all the way back to, uh, to Easter last year, you know, 4th of July birthdays, uh, the various Memorial and Labor Day, then moving to Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, and now Valentine's Day is coming up. And, and all of those have been in isolation. So one of my prayer requests is that we will see Missouri Baptists say, you know what, we're, we're going to get vaccinated. Um, getting vaccinated is really a for-life decision. And it is giving life to our residents and to those who might be in other care facilities. Um, myself, uh, we've had grandchildren uh, born under the coronavirus, and it's just so odd not being able to be there at the hospital and to celebrate with family and friends. And so uh, I would pray that, uh, you know, we would, as the church, uh, be advocates of this vaccination process. Um, because until we really are able to get, um, a significant number, about 70% of the population vaccinated, this, uh, this virus will still continue to be nipping at our heels. And then finally, uh, continue to pray for, um, for our residents. Um, that right there would be the one prayer I'd like to leave you with. Uh, we have residents who, um, one of them turned 100 years old during the coronavirus uh, epidemic and three days before her birthday, she was uh, tested positive. Yeah. Good news is she she did great. She came through it just great. But you know there are others uh, there are other stories as we all know that didn't turn out as well. And so people are grieving and they're hurting and they're lonely. Um, pray for our residents. Um, they are men and women of great worth and value, and. I think when the churches were able to be there every week, family was with them. Um, that was that was a part of just the natural expression of how we pray for one another. And so many of them have not been able to pray physically with a family member in, in almost a year. And uh, so let's us stand in the gap on their behalf and pray for our residents. Yeah, very, very good. Thank you. Well, thank you again for your time, Dr. Harrison, and for sharing from from the top, a message from the top, so to speak. And I'm sure somewhere down the road, uh, you know, a year from now or something, we might look back on your second anniversary uh, with the Baptist home and, and get an update from you at that point. But again, thank you on behalf of the listeners and uh, myself as host uh, on behalf of Biblical Perspectives on Aging for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you very much, Andy. God bless. God bless.
Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by The Baptist Home, go to www.thebaptisthome, that's all one word, .org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.